Hi everyone, my name is Johnny McCormick, and you're listening to Spoke. This week on Spoke, I'm joined by the CEO of Prosper, Kristen Harrison. Prosper is an app-based coaching platform that matches you with real-life coaches. They offer coaching on your career, on everything from getting a new job to scoring a promotion, or even just levelling up your leadership ability. I first met Kristen in the summer of 2008 when we worked together at Muskoka Woods, a Canadian summer camp, and even then Kristen was building businesses. She's a true entrepreneur. In this episode, Kristen shares her experience from the trenches of building a business, what's worked well, where she struggled, and where she wants things to go. This episode was recorded many months ago, and even in that short amount of time, Kristen's business has grown leaps and bounds. So, without further delay, here's my conversation with Kristen Harrison. Kristen, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us on the show today. It's a real honor to have you here. Thank you so much, Johnny. I'm thrilled. So, Kristen, I always like to start off by allowing my guests to introduce themselves. So I suppose um, I'm going to hand it over to you. How do you normally like to introduce yourself to people? Ah, well, I, uh, I'd start by saying that I'm an entrepreneur. Um, so I am founder and CEO of Prosper, which is an online um, app-based career coaching platform. So you can access a career coach directly from your phone to help you prepare for what's next, which typically is the interview and the next career move. That's really that's really cool. Um, Kristen, are you able to give us a little bit of your background and your professional history? So how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I, I started my career uh, in media and entertainment, and I really developed a love in that industry for mobile apps and digital media. I went from there and actually did my MBA um, because I wanted to make a move. I wanted to switch into the role of a management consultant. So sort of taking what I learned and going across industries and working for a large strategy consulting firm. Um, while I was in my MBA, I actually had the entrepreneurial bug again in my life, and I ended up starting a health tech company that was a great textbook on what not to do when building a business. It was one of my first and early uh, failures, which was a really good learning. And I ended up sort of closing that down and moving on to, to a career in management consulting. So I joined AT Kearney, which is based in Chicago, and did a lot of work in digital customer experience. Um, and from there, two years after that, after living around the world, as far as Tokyo and Sydney, I ended up deciding that I wanted to leave to build again and to build something um, from the ground up. And that's where Prosper really started. So that was about almost two years ago when I started and uh, and we've been building Prosper ever since. Yeah, that's great. Can you say, um, Kristen, a little bit about what that two-year journey has been like at Prosper? So presumably you didn't just leave your job in management consulting and come out come out of the gate swinging as this massive success. Can you just say, um, yeah, what that two-year journey has been like? Well, one of my, my favorite quotes, actually, Johnny, is that hard work is undefeated. So I would say for anyone that is looking to start something, it is, it is like you're every day climbing this mountain and it's filled with 
downs, ups and downs. Um, and for me, the journey, the beauty of it is in the fact that I've learned that I love, I love building. I love the challenge of it. So it's been really, it was difficult at the beginning because I was a solopreneur. It was me as a solo founder trying to figure out how to solve this problem. And as I grew, um, what I realized early on was that I needed to really validate the idea early. I wanted to fail fast. So I ended up talking directly to customers. So I got the idea as rough as it was in its early stages in front of as many customers as I could to really test and validate the idea. Did that. And from there, I ended up meeting some phenomenal partners who joined Prosper early on and started building and scaling the team. And the more the team grew, the more the business started to scale a little bit beyond me, which made it a lot easier actually to, to get the idea out there and to make it, to make it real. So you mentioned this idea of you wanted to um, do some customer validation or user validation quite quickly, fail fast um, if you if you were going to do that. And you talked about um, solving a problem. Can you just tell us a little bit about exactly what Prosper is and what the problem is that you guys are trying to solve? Yeah. So Prosper is, as I mentioned, it's a career coaching app that allows you to prepare for interviews. Um, the problem that we're solving that I identified early on is that for students, today's students in particular, um, college and university isn't always a guarantee of employment. And when you think about the students that are graduating in the U.S. at least, almost 25% are still unemployed within a year of graduation, um, up to almost 30% in some, in some areas. And so for me, I was like, why is that? Why are people not able to leave with a degree and find stable employment in a professional you know, knowledge role? Um, and so as I dug a little bit deeper, I started to realize that a lot of employers have created jobs for entry-level positions but they're not able to necessarily fill them because they feel that new grads are really struggling with being ready for their career, having the soft skills like being able to present or uh, persuade others um, for the role. And so they're not able to fill them. So there's sort of this dynamic between both the student and not really having the support they need on campus to be career ready. Um, despite how much universities and colleges really help with career services, they're just not resourced well enough to really support en masse in a personalized way. So that's really where we saw the sweet spot for Prosper was helping the student make that leap from, from school to their career. Yeah, that's great. So how did you discover that this was a problem, Kristen? Was this something that whenever you were in business school, you were applying to jobs and found it really difficult to succeed at an interview? Or where did where did you discover that this was an issue? It definitely was from firsthand experience myself. So I, when I was in my MBA, remember feeling very much alone when I was preparing for the consulting interviews in particular, which as you would know, Johnny, is a very uh, challenging cycle, right? Where you're going through both case interviews as well as more behavioral and fit interviews. And I, I did receive support from school, but I found myself wanting more personalized support. Um, and I, I ended up feeling very much alone. So that's where I thought about my own pain point and really struggle with confidence. 
um, for that interview. And I wanted a way where nobody had to know that I was struggling with confidence, where I could discreetly, just literally from my phone, um, be able to connect with someone that could really help me and support me and guide me along that highly anxiety-filled process um, and take that anxiety away and help me feel more prepared. And that's really where the beginning of Prosper started was from trying to fill my own my own need and solve my own pain point. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, Kristen, one thing I suppose that's coming to mind for me is, um, so we met at camp, we worked together at a summer camp, um, yeah, many, many, many years ago. And I suppose I always knew you as someone who was an entrepreneur. So I remember, you know, your first couple of businesses and hearing about them a little bit from you at camp. Were you always someone that was an entrepreneur and was never going to um, continue in the world of conventional employment, if you like? Were you always someone that you thought, um, I'm going to go out and do something in the world myself? Uh, it was what I dreamt of for sure, wanting to be an entrepreneur and to create something. And as you know, when I was 16, I started my first, it was a knitwear business, selling hats to snowboarders. So I always had that entrepreneurial drive. Um, but it really wasn't until I would say my first tech company that, that failed, um, that I really learned what it meant to be an entrepreneur. And I ended up, you know, out of that failure, shutting myself down to ever thinking that it'd be possible for me. So I, I dove right into consulting, into professional services. I really did enjoy the work. It was challenging. It was not phenomenal people that I worked with and learned from. Um, and I remember thinking, I'm going to go all the way to partner and I'm going to stay here. And this is going to be, this is going to be the gig. And there was actually a point where my husband, you need some people around you to support you. Absolutely. In any aspect, but especially entrepreneurship. My husband said to me, Kristen, you've always wanted to build. We're, you know, you're on your way. We're about to buy a house. And he was like, I think, you know what? If you buy this house, you're never leaving your job. This is the time to give it a shot. Why don't we, why don't we jump into this? And if you knew my husband, he's very risk averse. So it was this moment where I just thought, wow, he sees the potential when I didn't even see it in myself. And I didn't really think it was possible to come out of failure again and swinging and, and try it again. And can honestly say I'm so thankful because I feel much more fulfilled doing what I'm doing now and I'm excited about building. But the beauty of it is the average entrepreneur is what, 56 years old? So I really do think that anyone that's interested in starting a business can can start anytime. So, so you talk about, you know, being in consulting and I, so I also worked in consulting and I really loved it, you know, um, loved the work I was doing and um, loved the people I was doing it with. And um, I can see why that's a very attractive sort of career choice for a lot of people um, because it is really, it's really interesting. It's hard work for sure, but it's really intellectually stimulating. Um, and the people that you're working with are generally some of the smartest people that you'll ever get the chance to work with. So where do you get the confidence to leave um, a really secure job like that with lots of good prospects to go and forgo a salary, forgo the opportunity to potentially, you know, buy a house, settle down, move, move on to, um, you know, the next stage of your life? Where do you get the courage or the confidence to go and do something like that? Yeah, it's so, it's so funny. I think, I think it's because I'm very wired to want to create and I wasn't able to really use those intrinsic skills in consulting. I adapted a lot of, of what I was naturally inclined to do. Um, so for example, consulting gave me a way to think logically about 
problem solving, you know, looking at, as you know, any problem and being able to break it down and solve it, which by the way, for entrepreneurship, I think was the greatest training ground to be able to look at any problem and see it as solvable. Um, so for me, it was just this view of if I'm, if I'm going to do an entrepreneurial dream, if I'm going to make that happen, this is my shot. Um, I actually asked myself, you know, at 80, would I look back on my life and think that I took enough risk? And I think for me, staying in consulting would have been rewarding, but it would have, it wouldn't have been fulfilling, if that makes sense. And so it was enough of a push to want to be able to tell my 80 year old self one day that I actually did take a risk that was meaningful to drive the impact that I wanted to do and to create, which is really what I've been driven to do and, and wasn't able to do in that role. Um, so that was enough for me to quit at cold Turkey actually. Cause I knew that if I didn't leave that I would never leave. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. So it was a real sort of do, do or die moment, like sink, sink or swim. If you don't do it now, it's probably going to be a lot more difficult as you continue. Um, Kristen, help me understand just some of the more practical things that you considered or that someone listening to this might need to consider. So you're leaving the safety of paid employment. You know, a regular paycheck is uh, is not something to turn your, no- turn your nose up at. So how do you make sure that you're confident and comfortable making a decision to turn away from that without sort of jeopardizing everything that you've worked towards to this stage? Totally. Well, I would say, I mean, I, I invested in my own company. Um, so I, I had savings that I had saved up and my husband and I made the conscious decision to make sure we had enough buffer to go without, um, without a paycheck. So I think practically, I think you have to really understand what comfort is for you. Um, financial comfort and having a bit of a buffer is very helpful. The second thing that was really important for me was thinking about ways I could bring cash flow in early to help support building Prosper. Because um, I wanted to bootstrap it. I wanted to basically self-fund until we needed to bring in investment. So we did that for about a year and a half. We bootstrapped it. And the way I got there was investing my own capital in it. But also I built, as you know, Johnny, I built Unison, which was a u- user experience design firm. And the best thing is, if you've ever been in professional services, it's really easy to set up shop. Um, not easy to build a client base, but it's easy to sort of put your name out there and say, hey, I'm available um, and sort of sell your services. So that's really how I brought cash flow in. I built a book of clients and I was able to um, fund Prosper through that experience, which was what I needed enough of to make sure there was some stability there. Yep, that's uh, that's really interesting. So it was almost you were starting two companies at the at the same time. Which doesn't sound like it's doesn't sound like it's any easier, Kristen. To be honest, no, it wasn't. But it was a really great time. And I would say the one thing I learned was that it's really important to just be open to opportunity in the early days and explore and take meetings with people and really get a sense of, you know, what you're building, why, and and who you're building it for. And because of that, Prosper started off more slow. Um, you know, it was slowly starting to build and to grow because I was focusing most of my energy on building that business, on building Unison, but it helped me have focus and not have to worry about the short-term needs of cash flow, which can cause you to make very different decisions, as you know, as an entrepreneur. 
Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Kristen, are you able to share with us what your biggest struggle has been so far in building Prosper? And then also, um, after you've done that, what your biggest success has been as a company? Yeah. So I, I will be very transparent and perhaps vulnerable to say that my biggest struggle has been with self-doubt. Um, and I would call it the entrepreneurial anxiety which I don't think people talk about um, enough. And it's this feeling, for example, in the early days when you've got an idea, it's not fully formed, it's a bit fragile, and you've left your corporate job and you're trying to figure out how to make this dream a reality. And what I came up against a lot, no matter how many days I was super confident in what we were building, I came up a lot of, you know, to potential investors who didn't get it or, you know, potential customers that weren't willing to pay. And I remember during that struggle, just really doubting myself being like, why did I leave the security? Um, And so to tie that to my success, I'd say what I'm really thrilled about is that, you know, we're now a year and a half, almost two years into the business. Our team in headquarters is about five. We're scaling to about nine in the next year. We're growing. We've got an amazing coaching team all around the world. And the team is really carrying forward this dream. And now it's beyond me. Um, And so I have such confidence in the team um, and the evidence that's been created over the past couple of years that this is that we're on to something. Um, and so the success that I wanted to highlight was that we closed our financing round, our pre-seed round, um, with a phenomenal investor, and uh, and we're growing. So I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned, if I reflect back to really combat self-doubt, is that every action you take, no matter how big, how small, always compounds, almost like compound interest, and eventually the outcome is much bigger than you could have imagined. And so I think that's that's what I would tell myself back in the day, that even if the action's small, it's going to lead to the outcome. Wow. Yeah, that's really... That's really that's really great. And um, so, Kristen, you mentioned something there whenever you were talking about your struggle. Um, whenever you were meeting with investors and you were meeting with customers who maybe weren't willing to pay, and it, it sort of triggered a thought for me that um, you know, Prosper has obviously got quite a defined market, so people who are looking for support with their career. And I'm I'm sort of wondering, or I'm curious, do you find that a hard market to penetrate? Because I would think of the those as a customer segment who maybe aren't willing to pay for things or don't have the necessary cash to pay for for those sorts of things, even though it can be seen as an investment. So if I think about, you know, a, a service launched at students that's going to help them get a job, it sounds like a no-brainer, but maybe if you're, you know, a cash-strapped student, it, it's not such a simple choice. So how do you help people get over that barrier to wanting to pay for a service like this? Totally. No, and it's it's definitely a problem as we've been looking at kind of the product market fit. We were asking ourselves, first of all, what could we offer for free to support students to really drive through our mission of supporting en masse? And then what would we need to create the best possible coaching experience? Um, and so our, our view on that today is that our coaching plan, while we offer a lot for free, so we offer content, we offer a practice tool, we offer um, you know, connections to industry experts and things like that for free, 
we then are offering a plan at $300 a month. And that plan includes access to a human coach over four weeks and a plan that's personalized for you over that training period versus $300 an hour, which is what you're typically paying a private coach. So I don't think everyone's going to need Prosper services. I think the person that really benefits from it is the person that is riddled with anxiety about their future, about their career, and either has their parents to support them to do it if they're in that position, or actually we've had several of our users invest in their own career because they're at that point where they faced a lot of rejection and are just looking for that guidance and support that Prosper can provide. Sure. And are you guys targeting any particular industry in that, Kristen? So I know your background is management consulting. And I remember going through the interviews um, whenever I was, um, you know, interviewing to be a consultant. And I was, you know, filled with nerves and really probably quite ill prepared to go into a lot of those interviews. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose, are you finding that you're targeting those people going into management consulting just or is this, you know, we'll help you get any job. Yeah. So we've, it's been one of those journeys where we're defining that a little bit. Um, but where we are now is that we're very focused on the knowledge economy. So this is, these are roles that are typically professional services. So you hit the nail on the head with consulting. Uh, but we're also looking into where the jobs are being created. Tech being a really strong example. So what we're starting to see and to build into the product is industry specific support so, for example, if you're a product manager that wants to make a move to Facebook, for example, we've got the interview toolkit for you to do really well in a product manager interview um, versus if you're a management consultant and you're looking to get in because we think our success will really come from giving you those basic storytelling capabilities, the soft skills and helping you tell your story in an interview, but also diving a little bit deeper into the industry for context. Where is Prosper going long term, Kristen? So if you were, you know, to look back on this in, uh, you know, five to 10 years and it was a massive success, where are you hoping that this thing goes? Yeah, well, our, our big vision is for Prosper to really be the global destination for you as a young professional to develop your career, to develop your professional life. So it's still early in that vision, but where we in, what we really envision is that Prosper is a place where you can connect with a coach, sure, to support your professional development, but you can also train on your own. You can learn new skills, like perhaps how to present to a new client or how to write a proposal, all of the soft side of professional development. Um, and it's also a place for you eventually to connect with people in your industry and to really learn together. So there is a bit of a learning component that we're still developing, but we really want to be that place that is built exclusively and very specifically to serve the needs of the young professionals because we feel they're the most underserved in the market right now. That's really cool. Um, Kristen, thanks so much for sharing a little bit about your journey with Prosper. I'm wondering if we can perhaps flip the focus a little bit now and uh, hear more a little bit about Kristen Harrison, the person, if that's if that's okay. So I suppose one thing that I always like to ask people is, who are some of the people that have had the biggest impact in your life and what has that impact looked like? Mm. Oh, great question. 
I would say long-term over my life, of course, it's, it's my parents um, and saying yes to many of my crazy entrepreneurial ideas early on um, and giving me the confidence, I'd say, to say naively in many cases that I could just start a company. Um, but more recently, I would say I've really surrounded myself with a strong team of advisors and actually my own sort of leadership executive coach, which for a coaching company, it's sort of ironic, but it's it's been so incredibly beneficial. Um, so what I've learned recently is really about um, how to build a team and build a culture that wants to come into work to do their very best work. And I've learned that from my advisors who've been there before. And what I've been learning specifically is as an entrepreneur, especially as a solo founder, when you were building the business, you were doing everything yourself. You know, you were wearing all the hats, you were scaling the business. And I, I was working about, honestly, like kind of shamefully seven days a week on average for a year. It was, it was a lot. And I recently had an advisor say to me, for you to be able to be the best CEO and to be the best for the team, you need to view this as a marathon, not a sprint. So I've actually been taking my evenings. I've actually been taking my weekends. And I find that that allows me to come back to work on Mondays, super refreshed, ready to dive. And I think for any anyone that's in their business, there's this, there's this feeling, and I'm sure you feel this too, Johnny, that you have to be on all the time for this thing to be successful. But the reality is you need to rest and you need to recover. I suppose one other thing that comes to mind as I'm listening to you talk is what's one thing, Kristen, that you would say to the version of yourself from 10 years ago? So it sounds like, you know, this journey uh, at Prosper over the last two years has just been an exponential learning curve. What's one thing that you'd say to the the 10 years ago version of uh, Kristen? What, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? Ooh, well, you know, I think hindsight, what do they say about hindsight? you know, 2020, whatever they say. I don't know if I would actually tell myself what's coming, you know, with the failure, with the first business, for example, which was really tough to, to find a way through. Um, even with, you know, starting this business, I think a little bit of naivete is really good when you're starting out because it is really helpful to take that fresh perspective. So I don't know if I would actually share anything about what I'm going to be building, but what I would say is that I should I should absolutely be confident in myself and I should go after my dreams and realize that you can actually design a life that you love. But to do that, you need to take risks. Kristen, help me understand, how do you get the sort of the resilience or the mental fortitude to come back after having the first business fail and not be too paralyzed by that fear to start the next one? Oh, I don't know where that comes from, Johnny. I'd be curious about what uh, the scientists have to say about resilience and grit. Um, I think for me, I when I envisioned Prosper and when I started it, I actually, before I even built a prototype or anything, I actually just had the name and I went and bought the domain because I could visualize it and I could see it. And because I could see where it could go, which, by the way, where we are now is beyond what I actually imagined at the time when I started. It's very different in the best way. Um, I wanted so badly to see that vision come to life that that drove me. 
And what also drove me was this vision that I had where one day I would have a family and I would be able to really provide um, provide sort of the financial support that they would need. So the family and personal element really drove me to keep going and to be resilient. And then beyond that, it was this view that one day, this is very personal, but when I have kids one day, I don't even have kids right now, I wanted to be able to honestly look them in the eyes and say that you actually can go after your dreams. You actually, you know, can take a risk and that is totally okay. And I wanted to be able to say that I did that. And I felt at the time before I started this, that I wasn't taking a risk. It was a great job. It was an awesome corporate gig, but I was advising other, other people on how to build their company when I wasn't building my own. And I knew that I had the capability to do that. So I'm glad I took a risk and I can tell them that now, future them, if I ever do have kids. Are you able to share um, what your first job was and what you learned from doing that? This is like a, it, it came up in one of the other interviews that I'm doing for season two at the moment and someone shared their first job. And I thought, you know, that's just a great question to get a little bit of insight into someone. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah super embarrassing. So I, it was my first job. I was terrible at it. I was a, I worked at a bike shop and this bike shop sold mountain bikes and spin bikes and all kinds of things. And, uh, and I was responsible for cleaning the spin studio, for putting the towels in the laundry, for vacuuming. And I wanted to get into sales. So I was developing that a little bit. And I remember, you know, trying to inch my way, but I was really just the girl that ran around and cleaned. And, uh, And it was a really interesting lesson in hard work and being humble and realizing that your time will come to to sell and to do what you thought you wanted to do. But ultimately, to to do well, you just had to clean the bikes and get the laundry done, you know, and like and get that done. So I failed at it. I was terrible at it. But uh, it was a good it was a good first gig. Yeah. How old were you? How old were you when you were doing that, Kristen? I was 16 and I walked in there to get the job and, uh, and then I walked out a few months later and they, you know, (laughs) a little bit, a little bit wiser and, uh, better at cleaning, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Valuable life skill 101. Very much. Um, Kristen, if you were to say you were going to meet two friends, um, in a coffee shop and you were to walk in and had the opportunity to overhear them talking about you, what are some of the things that you would want to hear or hope that they would be saying about you? Oh, my word. I love this question. Well, you know, I think for one, I would hope that they would say I was there for them um, and that I was actually there. Because I think what I realized in the past year and a half of building this is it's really hard to balance life and work when work is pretty much all you do. So I've been really trying to carve out some intentional time with my friends to, to be there for them and to support them, you know, and whatever they're up to and whatever they're excited about, which isn't always business. And that's hard for me sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's great. So Kristen, um, the last question in this sort of, section before we begin to wrap up that I always like to ask people is if your house was on fire you know and touch wood it never happens and assuming your friends family pets your beautiful dog all got out safely um what's the one thing that you'd be sure to grab on the way out the door so that you didn't lose it oh my most prized session so to speak um 
I would say two things, if I could. One, my great-grandmother's ring, which I wear almost every day, um, which is a great reminder kind of of the past. And the second thing I would grab is this book, actually. Um, And my late father-in-law, Pastor Ray, away recently gave it to me. He was an entrepreneur. And the book is called The Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster. And he inscribed it. It was a very special moment where he was sort of handing down one of his favorite books. So I would grab that just because it's been a really close reminder this past few years of building this on the fact that it is a roller coaster and everyone goes through it, including including him. So definitely grab those toys. Yeah, I love that. They're they're such lovely mementos and so so um so I suppose emotive and nice stories attached to them. So that's great. Thanks so much for sharing that, Kristen. I like to sort of wrap up by just for the last few minutes going into a few quick fire questions. So they're a little bit brainless as in you don't need to think about them too much. Whatever pops into your head is probably the right answer. So we'll just jump in. Do you prefer reading or watching telly to switch off? Oh, watching telly for sure. And what Zombie. is your, what is your like, go-to show that you just don't want to have to do any thinking it's something you've probably seen a thousand times what's the one thing that you're going to switch on i love brooklyn 99 super funny 20 minutes of funny it's great are you a beach holiday or a adventure holiday type person adventure and what's been your most adventurous holiday or can you share one quick story Yeah, I went by myself when I was in Australia to the Great Barrier Reef and went on a three-day dive trip, and that was absolutely magical. Yeah, it sounds incredible. Um, Kristen, what is your, you may have to put yourself in your husband's or your parents' shoes for this one, what is your most annoying habit? (laughs) Oh, I can be very persistent and very persuasive, which can be very annoying if you disagree with (laughs) what I'd like to do. Yeah, so it's basically it's basically get on board the Kristen train or I'm going to torture you. That's in the past. I'm trying to be more uh, <laughs> others focused, but be in my bonnet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps. Kristen, one last one. What is your favorite thing to receive as a gift? Ooh, I love cards. I do. I'm very sentimental. So a good card with a little personalized note gets me every time. <laughs> Um, Kristen, just before we wrap up, I always like to hand it over to you, I suppose. So if any of our audience want to check you out online or hear more, hear more about Prosper, find out more about you. Um, can you just share how they can do that? So I suppose it's over to you to close out the show and share any links or connections that you would like to. Totally. Well, Prosper is on the App Store. So if you have an iPhone, we're working on Android, it's coming soon. You can go to the App Store and search Prosper or Hello Prosper and you'll see the app. And you can also check out Hello Prosper, H-E-L-L-O-P-R-O-S-P-E-R.com and say hello. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us today, Kristen. It was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much.